Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. is fertile myrtle minus or plus there it is little pink plus sign is so unholy that ain't no edge sketch this is one doodle that can't be undid Holmes Gillett just tell him I'm pregnant who was the father it's Polly Bleeker Polly Bleeker I didn't think you had it in I know, right? <laughs> Did you see that coming yeah but I was hoping she was expelled her into hard drugs or a DWI anything but this I could, like, have this baby and, and give it to someone that, like, totally needs it. You should look at the Penny Saver. They have ads for parents. Yeah. Desperately seeking spawn. Welcome to Rewatchability, where the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in the modern eye. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is... Robert Larone. That's... I thought you were going to do, like, some... Some... I don't have anything for this one. Baby Robert Larone? <laughs> Unborn baby Robert Larone? What am I supposed to do? A fetus Robert Larone? I thought you were going to be Zygote? like... But like Hot Skittle, uh, McGriddles. <laughs> I'm Robert Larone. Like you're going to use some sort of vernacular that, uh, that no, the kids use. I don't speak like that. I'm an old person. Well, that's definitely not wizard. <laughs> Which is what... Sorry? <laughs> they say wizard for cool in this movie. Oh, it's, my God. Uh, it's like it's in a different language. A lot of time has passed since this movie. <laughs> I know. It's been a few years. It's been a few years. But uh, we want to thank, before we begin, our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for giving us one, three, five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You get uh, the podcast early and ad-free, so you don't need to, like, skip around, mm-hmm. you know? Or, sorry, listen dedicatedly to uh, the whole ad like most podcast listeners do, right? I don't. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can go there and uh, and donate. It's uh, patreon.com slash rewatchability. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So, Rob, when did you first see Juno, which is the movie we're talking about today? This is one of the more recent movies that we've covered. It's only twelve years old, which is a long time. Like the baby in Juno would be going through puberty now. Right. <laughs> The, vo- the voice is dropped. Yeah. <laughs> That's They're right. using language his mom doesn't understand. Yeah. They're all like McGriddle. <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting just, hungry. I know. I, I, we were advertising for McDonald's earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't. No. They don't give us any money. No, we just spend money then. Just our lives are free. My life is free advertising for them. <laughs> <laughs> so would you foresee it? I might have been in grad school at the time. Mm. I remember it was a big year for pregnancy movies because that was also the same year that Knocked Up came out. Oh, right. Yeah. Particularly Canadian pregnancies. (laughs) So I was very worried about my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm in grad school. It just seems to be happening. (laughs) I can't deal with this. Luckily, the nurse taught me about a few helpful products which can stop pregnancy. Oh, my God. Which we're going to talk about on this (laughs) podcast. A little bit of sex ed for the Ontario kids out there who aren't going to have it in their educational curriculum anymore. Just an aside, in Ontario, we have a premiere that scrolled back our sex ed to, what was the, it was 1990. 1998, which is nine, yeah. nine years before this movie came out. They had to reprint the textbooks from that year. This is what happens to kids under that <laughs> curriculum. Yeah. I think the textbooks show like a big stork carrying a baby. I think that's how they explain pregnancy. <laughs> it was a, a cabbage long patch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just pluck them from the ground. Yeah. So yeah. I remember liking this movie and I, I'd already seen Thank You for Smoking and I'd sort of decided that I liked Jason Reitman as a director. Oh. And I think initially I was sort of predisposed to not 
like Jason Reitman as a director because he is the scion of another famous director. Yes. He's Ivan Reitman's kid. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe I'm a bit bitter or jealous <laughs> that my dad isn't a famous movie director who directed a massively successful and awesome franchise, which someday I would get the keys to. <laughs> Yeah, and get, get the keys to the car, too. But the point is is that I did actually like his movies. I liked Up in the Air. I thought, you know, he was really, despite having that place of privilege to start from, he tried to make movies that were challenging. He really tried to be a better artist than he had to be as mm-hmm. somebody who could probably just float through it. Yeah, and I think you're going to talk about this later, but he was a director that didn't want to do big kind of Hollywood movies. He didn't yeah. want to do, like, some action sci-fi adventure he wanted to do real things that connected with people. And did this movie connect with you when you were when you first saw it? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> no, just pregnant with emotion after watching this movie. I mean, I was older than these kids, so already they seemed like annoying kids to me <laughs> right. in a way. Okay. okay. You know, and I was definitely one of those high school kids who thought that I was older than I was. Much like Juno McGuff right. in this movie. But I did actually like the movie. And, you know, I really like Ellen Page as an actor. She is, of course, also Canadian. And I remember seeing her in independent Canadian movies like yeah. Marion Bridge. And- right. Yeah, she was in a Canadian TV show, too, that I saw. Pit Pony. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did like this movie. I thought it was great. This this movie is like, I don't know, I, I think is... I know a lot of people did not like this movie. Is that where you come from, Blaine? I did like this movie. I liked this movie in terms of the dialogue writing at the time. I was like, it's so fresh and right. crazy and really cool. This and is just how teens speak. Exactly. It's not like, it's so original. It's not kind of like a ripoff of other movies right. that I've since learned it is. Uh, and we'll talk about that after the break. Whoa, are you a... Are you accusing Diablo Cody of a crime? No, I'm going to quote Diablo Cody of a crime. (laughs) So so I really loved it. I remember seeing this movie and telling people about it, being like, you got to go see Juno. It's really great. Wow. In particular, I loved a bit character, a bit role, J.K. Simmons as the dad. I thought he was so amazing, and it made me want to see everything he was in. And when I looked up what else he was in, it was like Oz, and I was like, no, I'm not going to see that. Well, you didn't know him as J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man? I did. I did. Yeah. He was great in that role, too. But he really did something in in this role, I feel. He's Um, great. With such little screen time. For sure. So that's that's the start of my love affair with J.K. Simmons. Well, I think that, like, the parents in this movie sort of set the mold for indie comedy, quirky movie parents for years to come. like Yo, continuing till now. Yeah, that's right. You have to have an esteemed actor as the dad and the mom. It's... It's it's yeah. essential. Yeah, and Allison Janney reprised her role in I, Tonya from this movie. So yeah. she's like very – it's very similar. So I remember loving this movie and my opinions on it may have changed over time Whoa. upon rewatching it. It's like it's the – what we do on this podcast. Anyway, let's go through and talk about the plot of this movie we should have like a sound effect or something. Like maybe it was Zayla's like burr, 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 Rob's Rundown. That's awful. I know, right? We should do that. <laughs> anyway, this is Rob's Maybe just out. like a, a moldy peaches song or right, yeah. you know, some like guitar strumming like, and not really singing. <laughs> yeah, just mumbling into a microphone. Yeah, yeah we could do good. that. Yeah, sure. So Juno, it starts, as she says, with a chair. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's it's a weird beginning to a movie. Yeah. It catches your attention. I mean, first there's the credit sequence, which yeah. is like this really cool rotoscoped sort of music video-esque mm-hmm. thing of Ellen Page doing stuff, being quirky, holding a big old bottle of Sunny D. Yeah. And she's, that, you know. That took almost as long to make as the movie did. Yeah, I think it yeah. took like eight months to make or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was pretty time Animation. Intensive. I know. But she's drinking all this Sunny D. We're wondering, why is she drinking Sunny D? A, it's not very good. Well, yeah, it's because her mom only had purple stuff and cola. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, Sonny D, Sonny D. (laughs) Your mom's the best. (laughs) I can't wait to see whether I'm pregnant. (laughs) What? Sonny D is the test. (laughs) A lot of kids from this movie thought that you had to drink a lot of Sonny D if you thought you were pregnant. (laughs) 
It's called the Juno effect. <laughs> God. Yeah. No, but we find out that Juno McGuff, that's Ellen Page's character's name, is drinking a whole bunch of Sunny D because she has to pee on a pregnancy test. Okay, I'm so glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with it. I had seen the movie, but I thought you were going to do it. That's good. That's good. So she uh, she does get pregnant. She finds out that she's pregnant. And she does the test like five times. And Rain Wilson from The Office calls her home skillet, which is where I got that word at the beginning. I see. Yeah. A star-turning turn by Rain Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so she's pregnant. The dad is Michael Sarah. Yes. It seems that they had a moment. They had sex because, as she says, she was bored. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of happened. And then she's pregnant. I love everyone else's reaction to Michael Sarah in this movie. They react like it's Michael Sarah. They're like, what? really? Him? It's like everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a quote of from Jason Bateman in Arrested Development, who plays his dad. Right. Yeah. In a strange Yeah, it's very weird. Anyway, so she is pregnant, and Mm. she decides she's going to get an abortion. She's going to nip it in the butt. She talks to her friend on the hamburger phone. Right. And she's going to do the responsible thing. So she goes to the abortion clinic, but she has, at the last minute, a change of heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of the fingernails of the baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's like such a weird detail that, I, I mean... It stuck in my mind when I first saw it. Yeah? Yeah. It, like, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, little baby fingernails. And then when, the, when her friend says, you think it's going to claw its way out like an alien? I was like, yeah, that's all I could imagine. Pregnancy is, like, alien, right? Well, yeah. You're growing a little homunculus in your body. I mean, I'm not a man. I'm not a, I'm not a female. <laughs> the truth comes out. No, no. I'm not a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I will probably never give birth. No, probably not. Barring some sort of junior-like miracle of medicine. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. If there was a junior-like miracle of medicine, would you be impregnated? Well, see, then we have to think about it. Because then your responsibilities as a man changes. Wait, you haven't thought about that before? I mean, seriously? Like, I haven't, like, had the talk with my girlfriend about it. About you having a child? (laughs) I want to have your baby, baby. (laughs) That's the way to do it, I think. No, I feel like, I don't know. I I feel, I don't know. I like, it might be like a marathon or something. Like, it might be something that you go through and is like this really intense physical act, but that you might feel really good and accomplished at the end of it. Maybe. Ah, I mean, I'm sure that it's a lot of things for a lot of people, but... uh, (laughs) So I've said that as like... I'm not tearing up my vagina, Blaine. (laughs) (laughs) You could have a C... Never mind, Rob. I got to keep this body. (laughs) It's all that God gave me. (laughs) Anyway, so Juno is pregnant. Her parents are pretty understanding... Yeah, I'd I mean, say. they're pretty good. I mean, it's her dad and her stepmom. Yeah, her real mom has, has franchised off and got a new family. Yeah. yeah. And they are very supportive, like maybe too supportive. <laughs> I don't think you can ever be too supportive. No, I know. They're child. for sure supportive, but you could still Unless like- your child's like a murderer. Have her consider her <laughs> options. They're right. like pretty on board with this, like, let's give the kid away to the couple you found in the penny saver. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, maybe sleep on it for 24 hours. Yeah, well, J.K. Simmons is like, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to make sure that you're That's not, true. like, taken by these parents. Yeah. You know, you're not grifted yeah. for a child. He's got to make sure that Jason Bateman won't fall behind. <laughs> exactly. Because he's a musician. Yeah, well, he's, like, a, a commercial composer. Yeah, well, that would be a musician. Yeah, well, it's, it's. I think it does distinguish between the two in this movie because what he wants to do is be a musician, but he feels like a failure as like a commercial writer. Yeah, but he's still a musician. He just yeah. wants to be like a rock star, and he used to be a rock star. And apparently, like he used to have a band that once opened for the Melvins. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I never really got into the Melvins. Uh, Felt like I should like them, you know? Right. But, I don't know. But their openers were great. Great openers. <laughs> so she meets Jason Bateman and... They bond. 
Yeah, and they bond. They, they have bond this kind over of like friendship. Music and horror movies and he loves like all that late eighties, early nineties alternative, sonic youth. And he plays her that fucking awesome cover of the Carpenters Superstar by Sonic right. Youth. Yeah. Which is so good. It's also a better directed scene than a similar scene in Garden State. Where they're like listening, he like she puts the headphones on the guy, and like they're staring at each other, listening to the song. Right. It, it seems like that, but we only get like kind of a wide shot of them enjoying the song. We don't go into their faces and them falling in love. Uh, it, it's I well, think the thankfully, yeah, I know, I know, but I think that's Jesus kind of what Blade. that's kind of what's happening you in the scene. Jason Reitman saw Garden State, and he was like. Well, I can do better than Hold this. this, Zach Braff. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think everyone saw Garden State and said that. That's what I think. Get me Jason Bateman and a 16-year-old. <laughs> a weird combination, but we'll work with it. Uh... Yeah. Now, you don't need to worry about a thing. My stepmom brand makes me eat super healthy. You know, I can't stand in front of the microwave and no red M&Ms. I hope you're ready. Ooh. You hear that? This is my favorite song. This is Sonic Youth doing Superstar by the Carpenters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the Carpenters. Chick drummer, freaky dude, not unlike the uh, White Stripes. You haven't heard the Carpenters like this. Just listen. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. Uh, yeah, uh, but they do kind of have this – I'd say it's a little bit more intimate than a friendship, especially on Jason Bateman's side. Well, I and mean it really – it very quickly becomes problematic yeah. how close the relationship is. But she also has a real connection with the mother played by Jennifer – not the mother. I mean she's going to be the mother. She's going to be the mother. Played by Jennifer Garner. Yeah, and it's – I think it's a really good – piece of writing that Jennifer Garner is kind of cold and she doesn't want her husband to do these certain things and she's a little controlling here and there because she's about to have a baby and she wants someone who's going to be there. It's a little knocked up-ish. Right. Like grow up, like stop being a, a, a boy, become a man. But I think it's really great because then we like feel that Juno isn't really connecting as much with the mother and that's kind of like a problem in this movie that they kind of both face. Yeah, well, one thing that I found really interesting on rewatching it was the sort of difference between the intentions of Jason Bateman and uh, Jennifer Garner when they first meet them. Because, yeah, Jason Bateman's like, yeah, every guy wants a kid eventually. It's like part of becoming a man. Right. And it's just, they're just lines, you know? They don't yeah, really yeah. mean anything. He's clearly just like going with the program. Yeah. Whereas Vanessa's clearly become, you know, a very meaningful and purposeful thing for her to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and she's wanted to be a mother for a long time. They've tried this before and it's failed on them. Yeah. And that's really heartbreaking. So. But it is shitty that <laughs> <laughs> like you just see Jason Bateman. It's it, it's it's very subtle. Yeah. Like what happens in the movie. They don't get like super weird. They don't like – there's no like romantic sort of – It's not big. It's no shouting matches, no professions of love. No. Yeah. But all throughout the – as like this sort of thing is going on because Juno seems to be initiating a lot of the contact because she wants to have like a, a healthy relationship with these parents. So she like brings them the ultrasound photo yeah. and then ends up – hanging out with Jason Bateman and watching horror movies. Mm -hmm. And her parents tell her, it's not really appropriate for you to be going over and spending time with, like, a married man. Yeah, Allison Janney says you don't understand adult relationships yet. You're still a teen. Yeah. Like, not everyone's your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, which is hard. It's complicated. It is complicated. Do you, do you find that, like, you, like, that female friendships are harder to have as you grow up? Ah, uh... <laughs> we can cut that out. If you... <laughs> they have their challenges. Uh, some of them, I mean, but the pro- the thing is, is that Juno's not a grown up. She's yes. a child. Yeah, and I think the childness of her is sort of investigated and interrogated in this movie because, yeah, she has an adult body in a way like she can give because she's birth. pregnant. Yeah, that is like the definition of adulthood. Right. In- you know, for some people. Right. Okay. But at the same time, it's such a weird scene. And 
like, I almost feel weird talking about it, where she takes off her underwear and they fall to the floor. Like, this in any other movie would be, like, this is a sexy scene where the right. woman takes off her underwear and they're, like, they're kids' underwear. Right, yeah. But that's the first, that's almost the first scene of it's the movie. It's almost the first scene. Yeah. And, like, so just the way that they're playing on she's a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she's kind of an adult with Jason Bateman. I think that's because... Like, it's a really cool idea that the pregnancy skews the a adult-child relationship into, like, a peer relationship yeah. almost. And Jason Bateman sees her as a peer because she's pregnant with what's ostensibly his child. So there's a lot of, like, weird mixed feelings there. And I think this movie, it's known for its dialogue and it's known for its, like— Snark. Yeah, and its comedy. Oh, my blog. Yeah. Exactly. But Oh my podcast. But the best stuff about this movie is I think that relationship that like triangle relationship between Jason Bateman, Jennifer Garner and and Juno. I think it's just really really great. For sure. Yeah. So, let's get to the to the kind of end of this movie. Well, what happens is is that Jason Bateman tells Juno that he's going to divorce Vanessa. Mhm. And, you know, he's going to get he an apartment in the city. He kind of proposes to her. Well, he like yeah, he propositions her yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, there's like this moment where they're like listening to music and there's like a, a dancing scene. Yeah. And he puts his hands on her hips and is like, this is how we did it back in the right. day. And then he dips, she dips, they dip. That's, what's, that's what happens. What? <laughs> All right. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so they get kind of like intimate with that scene. And there's that really great line where he says – what what do you think of me? Like it's it's almost begging her to be like, well, I I really like you and I want to move to your apartment with you. Yeah. And then he realizes how stupid he's being. Well, I mean, it's creepy and wrong, and the way that he's being so subtle about it is it's really creepy because he wants her to make that move for him. It's so weird. Well, yeah, I think in a way it, he's the old. Like he's, he's trying to take the 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 guilt off of himself. Definitely. Like, well, he's he's the older have, person. And... If I have a relationship with an underage person, yeah, and she comes on to me, that's somehow okay. Yeah. Well, that's. I think that's what he's trying to do in that scene for sure. Yeah. And then he kind of realizes what a fool he's been. I I love how fast that is. I don't I don't remember being that fast. I remember Jason Bateman being like the evil man preying on the younger girl. And there's a little bit of that. Yeah. But I think he is also a pretty well-rounded character in that he recognizes immediately his mistake and is like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is wrong on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, it's this is like a really fraught talk pot. This is a really fraught hot pocket. <laughs> Are you hungry again? I'm Do we always... need to get McDonald's? That's how the kids say it these days. <laughs> <laughs> and Hot Topic. While they're, while they're shopping at Hot Topic. That's how yeah. they say it. Yeah. I mean, it's really fraught, especially now. Yeah, Everybody's sure. talking about the Me Too stuff. Yes. I just read, like, this fucking terrible thing about Brian Singer and, you know, oh, yeah. just, like, the way that adults prey on underage people and... Diablo Cody doesn't write it so that Jason Bateman is necessarily grooming Juno so that he can No. But but she she also kind of she she frames this kind of like an infatuation. Like they're making mixed CDs for each other. Yeah. He's living his teenage self again. But Jason Bateman is old enough to know that it's wrong. Yes. Whereas she's a child and he should be cutting that off. Yeah. Which, and setting the boundaries. Yeah, which he he doesn't. She sets the boundaries by saying, what the, what the fuck is going on, guy? Yeah. So now let's talk about the hamburger phone. <laughs> let's get on to another contentious Something topic. So controversial. And again, so relevant. <laughs> hamburger <laughs> phone. <laughs> the vegetarian yeah. movement is yeah, catching on. The conclusion of that whole moment is that Vanessa comes in and... Jason Bateman squirms and explains that he doesn't want to be with her anymore and that he's already got an apartment and all that shit. I love this scene because I remember just between the two adults, but Juno's stuck there, like, in the middle trying to leave. Yeah. And I I was like, why isn't she leaving? And then obviously it's because she's like, where will my baby be if these two get a divorce? For sure. Yeah, it's such a great scene that she's kind of – she can't leave, but she so wants to leave. She's stuck in the middle of their divorce. That's the other thing that we forgot to mention about the awful scene is that she's just 
just concerned about her child. That's the relationship that she's – that's why she is interested in yeah. – has a relationship with these people. Yeah. And she's seen kind of that Vanessa can be a great mother by – in the mall, uh, seeing Vanessa interact with children. Like yeah. Like kind of seeing her from afar in the mall. Even though she's lame. Even though she doesn't like the Stooges. Yeah. yeah she's not cool. She's not hip. She's not cool. <laughs> she's not wizard, man. She's not wizard. But she – Juno leaves her a note which we don't see the contents of till later mm-hmm. after she's given birth. And then she also has like a big talk with her dad and decides that she loves Michael Sarah, which is something we've all had to deal with. Like, <laughs> we don't want annoying? to like him. Yeah. You know, do I like his artistic choices? Is he just right. quirky for the sake of being quirky? Then again, Scott Pilgrim. Very good. I need to know that it's possible that two people can stay happy together forever. Well, it's not easy, that's for sure. And uh, I don't have the best track record in the world, I know, but I've been with your stepmother for 10 years now, and I'm proud to say we're very happy. Look, in my opinion, the best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are. Good mood, bad mood, ugly, pretty, handsome, what have you. The right person's still going to think the sun shines out your ass. What will Michael Sarah be when he is a full-grown adult? I don't think he's ever going to be. No, probably not. (laughs) Because of his arrested development. He's like what happens when you deliver a baby way too premature. (laughs) He's, he's still gestating. He was like, he was like We're a so zygote. Mean. We're so mean to Michael Sarah. And again, a good Canadian boy, too. I know. From Brampton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the director is Canadian, too. So it's no like, kidding. He's like, he's like hiring all these Canadians to be in the movie. It's great. Well, yeah. And they also shot this in Vancouver, notably, so that it had another bit of Canadian. This is like, this is like stealth Canadian. <laughs> Yeah, we watch this on Canada Day. Yeah. We don't tell anyone, but uh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> and then she basically, like, goes into labor next scene. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, my water broke. Got to get to the hospital. Got to do the birthing part. Yeah, which and is— And her friends are there, or her friend Leah's there. Yeah, in movies, you can only have one friend. You can only have one friend. There's only time enough for one friend. Yeah. You have a whole journey to go through as I a main character. That's all I have time for, Blaine. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you chose me. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Who the fuck is Dave? Just sitting in the corner. You guys are doing good. You guys are doing really well. Thanks, Dave. God damn it. And Vanessa sees the baby in the incubation room or whatever it's called. Don't know the creepy hospital term. The incubation room. And the nurse is like, that's your son. And she's like, oh, yes, it is. And she has like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Allison Janey comes in. Just just Alan Alison Janie stuff makes you feel good. Smokes a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great. Yeah, and she becomes a mother in that moment, yeah. which is really is a beautiful moment. And then, you know. Juno and Michael Sarah get the band back together. Which is really great. Yeah, that long shot. It's yeah. a beautiful movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the rundown of the movie. We're going to be back after this break. And uh, I have some trivia questions for Rob to see if he can, he can answer them. Oh. We're going to talk about behind the scenes. I hope it's nothing but the birds and the bees. (laughs) Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there. Welcome to Rewatchability. We're back talking about Juno. And I have some questions for you, Rob. Okay. Okay? I am ready. Is your soul prepared? Okay. What was the name of Diablo Cody's blog? That got her started as a writer. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it like the Pussy Ranch or something? Oh, he gets it. Yeah, it's the Pussy yeah. Ranch. 
So for those who don't know, Diablo Cody had a He's lot a of... misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> Calling her out. She hates and fears women. <laughs> totally took the red pill. She No, no. <laughs> She's had a lot of like part-time jobs. And one of those part-time jobs was uh, as a journalist. And so she wrote a lot. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Uh, and then she did a kind of stint um, as, a, as a stripper. She, she did this kind of amateur night. And then she liked it so much that she did uh, nights here and there. I think everyone thinks that, like, and Hollywood is like, wow, she was a stripper. Like, she right. came up from nothing. But she was a journalist. I think, right. like, there's a lot of kind of that overnight success that people like to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. But she wrote for her entire life. Really? Yeah. So, and she wrote several different blogs, two of them fiction. One about like a communist Blogs. stripper uh, that was like a spy. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So, yeah, she's... That, that's amazing. I mean, I... Remember when this movie came out? Because this was her first screenplay. Yeah. And they did like pretty heavily market it as like, hey, here's this movie written by this quirky, tattooed ex-stripper. It's going to blow your minds, adults. You ready for this? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But do you think that was like overplayed? By like the studio for marketing, or do you think it was like I think media was, misogyny? I think it was, I don't know if it was media misogyny. I think it was media being like, "This is a hook that we can talk about, right?" And that this makes this movie like the like this was one of those movies that the story behind the movie was almost more interesting mm-hmm. than the story in the movie. Yeah. It was like this rags to riches story, this pretty woman thing that Finally, happened. Finally, a female screenwriter we can be interested in, one who takes her clothes off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Writers never do that. We can, Penny Marshall! We can objectify a writer? Amazing! Thank you! <laughs> Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Hollywood was like, you know, we get to be the white knight to come in and this is, the, you know. Yeah, that's right. You know... We don't we don't like her for her body, even though, you know, we're glad to watch her take her clothes off. We like her for her mind. <laughs> right. Yeah. All of Hollywood turned into Richard Gere for a second. <laughs> it was just so weird. Um, yeah. But a producer from Hollywood had read her blog, came across the blog, mm-hmm. and really liked it, had followed it for a little while. And she responded to her people that uh, read the blog really well. And so he was like, she's really funny. And called her up and was like, hey, would you ever write a book or a, a movie? And right. so she she was like, yeah, I'll try that out. You're a major Hollywood producer. Yeah. I'll try that. And then she took off her bra. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? No, she, she – she, to go to sleep, Rob. I'm saying that's she where took the it movie to go to producer sleep. met her was at the strip club. Oh, okay. Are terrible people. Yeah, all right, right. Probably. Enough. I don't know. Fair if enough. If one gave me money, I would probably think better of them. <laughs> You'd have to take. Your I would take off, my though. bra. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, is if if we're to say like, oh, the the stripper Diablo Cody, like that's really cool that she was a stripper as like a culture. Like, then why are we saying that you know Hollywood men go into a strip club are like gross producers and stuff like that? Because they are. I mean. <laughs> I don't want to judge I mean, anybody wrong, too but... <laughs> harshly, but I've uh, unfortunately visited one of those establishments once or twice. Bachelor you know, parties? Bachelor parties. Yeah. You know, never got those shoes back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to bring it up. You lost your shoes at a strip club. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> but I think the thing is that it just made me feel gross. And not just because I wasn't wearing any shoes. Yeah. And that you left your socks behind, too. The floors were very sticky there. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> yeah, apparently you walked home in your bare feet and you didn't even know. No, I knew. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was just, you know, spirit of the moment. That was that previous rewatchability host, uh, David Stein's bachelor party. Yeah, my best friend. <laughs> Wait. Hey. I thought I was up there. Damn it. Dave is sulking in the corner now. More. Okay. What famous... Director called Juno Fallopian Dynamite. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna say Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> You'd expect that from from old Tarantino. I love it. I love Juno. It's like Fallopian Dynamite. <laughs> uh, it was Edgar Wright. Oh, yeah. He read the script and rightly called it out as kind of like uh, uh, yeah, exactly as a as a Napoleon Dynamite homage, if you will. And Diablo Cody herself said that she saw Napoleon Dynamite and was like, well, I, I can do that. 
I don't remember Napoleon Dynamite getting pregnant. <laughs> no. No, but he did dance. And that's how you get pregnant, if you believe Footloose. Okay, so what are... <laughs> What are the similarities between Napoleon Dynamite and Juno? It was the the teen, the high school kind of setting, uh, the weirdness of the main character, that they are very their own person, and mm-hmm. then the dialogue. She was like, I'm going to make the dialogue my Trojan horse to talk about this teen girl getting pregnant, right. and I'm going to write the craziest dialogue, and they're going to make me cut it back, and it's going to be too much. And then everyone was like, it's perfect. And she was like, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but she did get kind of the... I just need to erase this, oh, my blog line. <laughs> Keep it. Yeah, and, and that's not to say that there isn't so much originality to this movie and that she didn't make uh, the dialogue her own and, and make the plot her own. And this is her, uh, like, original script. But she did look at other movies that were happening the same time and we're like okay I'm triangulating how I'm going to write my own movie to make it successful to make yeah. it get picked up by this producer I would producer. say that's not ripping off I would say yeah. that's being smart by yeah. looking at what other movies do successfully you can be influenced by other movies yeah for you sure you don't have to write in a bubble I totally agree with you but yeah I don't I don't see it as a rip off it does take a lot of the elements but I would say like this movie has influenced way more films than it rips off <laughs> right or that it was influenced by yeah. Yeah, to back up your argument that it's not a ripoff. I mean, I don't think it's a ripoff. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so... It's a ripoff of Junior, but they twist it by making the protagonist a female. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. Yeah. And Matt Shalom well, is they're jealous. Doing, they're doing that a lot now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> men did it first, you know? <laughs> you know, they had the female, the women of oceans. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I feel bad every time I say the word female because uh, incels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we will talk about that when we talk about oh, uh, Jason Reitman a little later on and the new Ghostbusters. Okay, the third kind of question. What, kind of question? I don't, Trebek doesn't give kind of questions. <laughs> what, was, what celebrity was turned down the role of the abortion clerk in this movie? Oh, what celebrity was turned down for the role they auditioned of the for it, clerk. and they were like, "This bit part, you cannot act. You cannot be in this." Sarah Palin. That's a good. <laughs> that's, a, that's that's great. She would have just shut the door and locked it. <laughs> that that would have been her clerking at an abortion <laughs> clinic. No, I brought up Sarah Palin because her there was some. In the Wikipedia, they mentioned Sarah Palin and her daughter, Bristol, because she got referred to as the Juno from Juno. <laughs> right. Fair enough. No, it was the writer, Diablo Cody, really wanted to play that role. What? Yeah, and uh, she auditioned for it. She did a, a, a tape again and again. Jason Reitman coached her, and then he was like, I can't put you in this movie. I'm so sorry. So, Whoa. yeah, so that's how kind of like the move, the production started for Diablo Cody. So I was like, yeah, that's that's interesting. Welcome to Women Now, where women are trusted friends. Please put your hands where I can see them and surrender any bombs. Hey, I'm here for the big show. Your name, please? Uh, Juno McGuff. She thinks I'm using a fake name, like Jean Simmons or Mother Teresa. I need you to fill these out both sides and don't skip the hairy details. We need to know about every score and every sore. Would you like a free condom or boysenberry? No, I'm, I'm off sex right now. My boyfriend uses them every time we have intercourse. They make his junk smell like pie. That's brutal. She has some thick skin, I, I think. And she was very nice about it when she talked about it. She was like, I believe Jason Reitman. Like, he loves me as a person and I love him. Yeah. But he just couldn't in all good conscience have my acting in his movie. Well, she's worked with him at least two times since then. Oh, multiple times, yeah. Yeah, young adult, which I actually really like as yeah. a movie. Yeah, And I didn't see Tully because everybody thought it was bad. But uh, the Diablo, Cody, Jason Reitman, Charlize, they're on, like, collaboration. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Yeah. You know what? I'm well. a little bit pissed that Jason Reitman isn't using Diablo Cody to write the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my blog, Venkman. <laughs> I think she could do a really good Ghostbusters. And Charlize Theron as a yeah. Ghostbuster. 
Oh man, yeah, she'd be great. She's great. Like a little, uh, like a, you know, a, a little bit of a gritty reboot. Like a Ghostbuster who's like really mean and awful to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to talk about the the Ghostbusters for a second? Because we're already on the subject, and Jason Reitman has been pegged to to do the new yes. Ghostbusters. It's been a big kind of deal in the media because there was so much. Uh, you know, v- venom towards the la- the last time they did they did Ghostbusters yeah, with yeah. an all female cast. Mm-hmm. What what do you what do you think about the news? I'm kind of excited for it. <laughs> Sweet. Again, I like Jason Reitman. Yeah. I never expected him to do a Ghostbusters movie. And he in is... fact, he never expected it. He he went on. Well, uh, that's what he says. Yeah. Well, he he also went on the radio and was like back in two thousand eight when he was talking about Juno and. Uh, I never wanted to do Ghostbusters. If I'm going to remake any of my dad's movies, it's going to be Junior. <laughs> I totally forgot until this moment that his dad directed that. I know. It's like <laughs> it's so great. Like pregnancy Wait, movie gave birth to. Oh, I like pushed that movie out into the world. Yeah. All right. Sweet. But he said on the show he was like. Oh, I'll never do Ghostbusters. Can you imagine me doing Ghostbusters? It would be the worst. They wouldn't even bust ghosts. They just talk. So he was really against it. But I think, you know, you grow as a, as a filmmaker and you want to try different things. And I think trying like an action adventure would be kind of interesting from him. Yeah. And he was literally in Ghostbusters 2 saying, I thought it was going to be He-Man, <laughs> which was my favorite line when I was a kid. I mean, I think that he has an emotional connection to the material. He is yeah. a good director. And not to put down the other movie, but I just didn't like it. I know a lot of people did. I was really disappointed because I like Paul Feig as a director. Yeah. But I just thought it was kind of like glib and sort of underwritten, I think. And For I think sure. Ghostbusters maybe deserves something that's like a little bit deeper and i hope that's what they kind of do with it i'm i feel like i'm gonna get so much people are gonna stop listening what, to this podcast people are gonna bully this. you on the internet for yeah. having an opinion about yeah, something I, th- I think so but i think the original ghostbusters was underwritten and i think the and i think like the new ghostbusters was just really playing into that i think ghostbusters 2 was maybe a better movie than ghostbusters 1 okay i love ghostbusters 2 but even i don't believe that <laughs> it had something to say there was a theme it raised the stakes i don't know what Ghost- doesn't ghostbusters 1 have to say ghosts are bad you gotta bust them <laughs> who are you gonna call there's nothing what do any of those characters want uh, anyway it doesn't matter we should all right Ghostb- mr screenwriting teacher <laughs> <laughs> but i they have no conflict there's no <laughs> intentions what's the drama <laughs> the second act is totally Totally condensed. <laughs> and where is they the third act twist? They Stay Puft Marshmallow in the first ten pages. <laughs> we need to set that up. Why can't they set it up? No, I. I mean, it's a funny movie, anyway. But what people are saying, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are really mad because it feels like they're retconning the previous Ghostbusters, the all-female cast, and. I feel like that's what everyone was so upset about the female Ghostbusters for, yeah. was that they were retconning the – and I was like, all these movies can exist independently. You can – like this and new will. Ghostbusters – And will. This new Ghostbusters doesn't take away the anything. The real Ghostbusters the TV show, the Ghostbusters TV show that had nothing to do with the Ghostbusters we actually like. Yeah. You know, we can and I, all – And I love Leslie Jones and, and she really hates the fact that they're making a new Ghostbusters. She said it's something like Trump would do. Oh, I mean that's <laughs> – that's a dumb thing to say. Well, I That's really a stupid thing to I say. Th- well, it's, it's a funny thing, but I I think I think she may be wrong. Even though I really I, lo- I like I love her comedy and I and I like her. I a mean, lot, she's but... definitely allowed to have her opinion. Yeah. and you know, I'm sure people will have like lots of opinions about Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters. And if he gets a little bit of flack, I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. And, and I think that they can still make the Ghostbusters sequel that they wanted to. In that universe. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing saying that they can't. Yeah. No, for sure. And there's nothing saying... If Disney gets hold of it, they'll make three Ghostbusters a year. <laughs> so... Hopefully these new Ghostbusters won't be three white dudes, one token black dude, and one token green ghost. I know. The green ghosts are really... No. <laughs> they Give gotta... them some representation. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to Juno and let's talk about kind of the, the, the big discussion around Juno when it when it first came out. And and is a continuing discussion 
And we, the hamburger phone. And I don't know yes. if, if two middle-aged dudes should, should be well, talking about this. Well, we are really the people who should be telling women what to do with their bodies. Right? So. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's, it is swirling around this movie and it is a big part of this movie. Well, and there's, there's a lot of people that think this movie is a pro-life stance movie. I mean, and, the pro-life people tried to use this movie as a football and some of the people who are, you know – I don't know, antagonistically progressive, tried to be like, oh, this movie isn't progressive enough because she doesn't get an abortion. Right. And there's no movie. Right. And, I know. You know, it's I just, know. It's like, yeah, like knocked up in the same year. You know, there haven't been any, like, prominent, commercially successful abortion movies, but there should be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's... But this just isn't that one. For, it's not that movie. Yeah. And it's it's about it's about making this new family, which is a real cool way of looking at this movie. Too. But pro-choice people are pro-choice, and Juno makes a choice. Now it is a little bit weird. Like that's well said. She sort of it happens in the Planned Parenthood. The receptionist is sort of gothy and weird, and she right. sees all the people, and they're kind of they're you know a little bit off-putting. I feel like so. Sure. The the way that it happens, I don't know if I'm, like, 100% comfortable with, like, you know, she's about to get the abortion and then goes. But, like, you know, that's her story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I read a, a blog about someone that was, like, listing all the reasons why this was pro-life and that this is, like, a secret kind of subversive Hollywood film because Hollywood film is usually pro-choice and went down this rabbit hole, this whole, like, Christian – fund for Christian filmmakers to try to get more messages Stephen from the Baldwin, Lord. Stephen Baldwin, go away! <laughs> in, into Hollywood. It was really interesting. They have like all these courses and just to just to try to get more stories that are in line with their beliefs into Hollywood. Which is, I, I think, it's representation, right? It's the same thing. It's, yeah. It's, it's the same I thing mean, that like the, the people that are like antagonistically, like you said, pro, pro-choice. Like, this didn't go far enough. Like, we want representation of that in Hollywood. It's kind of both sides want representation. Sure, but evangelical Christians always think that they own Christendom. Like, right. nobody can be Christian unless you hate gay people and don't want women to use birth control or have right. control over their bodies. Well, I, I, I'd say that's kind of like, uh, I don't know. There are lots of Christians Small who— Small swath of Christians, but— there are lots of people who have religious beliefs who are progressive. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody who has conservative beliefs are shitty people, but yeah. I think you can be a lot more compassionate by being pro-choice. Right. Blaine. <laughs> yeah, I really came out as a pro-lifer on this podcast. But I think, like, wouldn't the movie be so much worse if the Planned Parenthood was some sort of, like, super welcoming, like, overblown, like, rainbows and fairy dust, like, you well, know, I safe think, space? I think it also just wouldn't – Planned Parenthood would need a lot more money to make their facilities yeah. that welcoming and nice. So I think it wouldn't represent what's actually out there in the world. It doesn't represent it also because, like, the – Poor lone protester, not poor lone protester. I don't have really much sympathy for people who protest abortion clinics, right. but Su Chin. Yeah. Can we talk? A- I think that's her name. Yeah, Su Chin. <laughs> Can we talk about Su Chin for a minute? Yeah. The one non white person in this movie who, of course, can't speak proper English. Right. Babies deserve to be born. Babies deserve to be born. It's almost like Minnesotan. I don't know. It's it's very weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird accent. Um, but, but also, like, the people who are protesting outside of abortion clinics are generally, like, older. Yeah. I've never Christian. been. I've never seen. So I don't know. But Yeah, me neither. Have you had any high school, like, accidents? <laughs> oh, or my God. We're getting so personal. Are there so any personal. little planes running around out there? <laughs> Maybe with, we're like, getting... a, a good mom. Oh, my God. No, I, I have. I've had. Uh, we Yeah, I've, I've had scares with previous girlfriends in high school. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's terrifying because you're in high school. You don't know anything. Yeah. I had one scare where it was my first girlfriend where we were really upset and we went into oh this place to get tested. Oh, my blog. And the guy was so unwelcoming just to even test us to be pregnant. And then it was it was just a horrible experience from beginning to end. And we weren't pregnant, which is which was great. But it, uh, it's just such a it's, it's such a hard thing to go through, I think. Yeah. As, as a, 
especially watching her go through it, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, feeling like such a jerk. Yeah, well, yeah, you take all the precautions and you think you're like a smart Oh, you took all the precautions. Well, we thought we did. (laughs) And then she was late. So, but it turns out if you play soccer. I just put this on my head, right? Right. Look at me, condom hands. It's like you can't, you don't use it right. That's that's wrong. Well, you have any city scares? Was it scary for you in high school? No, my mom was really good because my mom took my then girlfriend to the uh, clinic to get birth control because she was oh, too scared nice. to ask her mom or something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I think about that sometimes. Like, oh, my mom was good. That's that's you know, so. She did some good stuff. That's so. That's immediately who we who we told. She told me mom. I was going to hell for having sex premaritally, but <laughs> but she was still there for for your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. At least she wasn't like now you have to raise a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. I don't know, like to go beyond beliefs to see the to see the person beyond belief, fact or fiction. <laughs> that's really nice, to hear about. That's cool. Yeah. I think that what's also cool about this movie is that they do just tell a story about people and that it doesn't try to be political at any point. And I think that's why people try to politicize it and and can politicize it in so many different ways. It's because it doesn't have a political point. It's true. But you could argue that it could be more political. And Jason Reitman, like his – looking at it from where he was coming from, his first movie was political. Thank you for smoking – I, I like the movie. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it in many years where I stand on the message of the movie. If it's for smoking, I'm not sure <laughs> what I think. If it was thank you for vaping, yes. <laughs> no, that's even worse. <laughs> Please remake that, Jason Reitman's kid. <laughs> I love how mad people are at vapors. It's like, I'm just trying to survive, man. I'm addicted to nicotine. They're like, get it out of here. Well, we like being annoyed by people. Yeah. But also sometimes they blow that like cherry mist in your face. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Is it any worse than, like, I don't know, old lady perfume? No, it's not worse. <laughs> no, no. I'm to... saying vapors, old lady perfume smokers. Right. At least like with cigarettes, you get, get a nostalgic room. sort of smell of cigarettes. You know, <laughs> right. Like when your parents like smoked and all the walls were turning yellow. Right. So see, my mom wasn't that great. The stained holes in the carpet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, sweet. I remember friends' houses like that. That's great. So did you think this movie, Rob, was rewatchable watching it now? Yes. I did. There was a few things that I think irk me about it. First of all, I don't believe Jason Reitman as a rock star or wannabe rock Jason star. Jason Bateman? Yeah, sorry. Jason <laughs> Bateman as a rock star. Jason. I believe Jason Reitman is a wannabe rock star yeah. for sure. He has a long hair and everything. Yeah. yeah. Plus he's like, you know, a famous person's kid. Those are one of your career options when you're a famous person's kid. <laughs> right. Rock star. Be famous Film in director. Any way. Yeah. Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't buy him as like a rocker guy. So I don't – that moment, that like relationship is so weird because I just see him as like awkward old Michael Bluth. Yeah. You know? So I wonder, like, that casting always sort of throws me off. Yeah. It's also weird that he's going to be the dad to the son of a person he played the dad to. Exactly. So he's like grandfather and father to one baby. Yeah. It's weird. We're talking about Arrested Development, of course. Where yeah. He plays Michael Sarah's father. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really realize that before. It's it, it's right mind now. blowing. Yeah, that blew like, my mind. You think that Jason Reitman? He must have known that. He must have like thought that people might make that connection. Yeah, it's like some weird time travel movie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so I think it's totally rewatchable. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about it for a reason because it's a movie that I think is like one of the better movies that were made in that decade. Yeah. It was Roger Ebert's number one movie that year. And I don't think it's perfect. I don't think like the I don't think Diablo Cody apes the language of teenagers. I think it really sounds like what an older person writing teenagers sounds like. And from what you're saying, it sounds like that's what she was maybe trying to do. Or... Yeah, and I think it's like uh, if you treat it as like another dimension. Yeah, like a stylistic talks... quirk. Exactly. Then it's fine. Then it works. You know. It's totally wizard. It's totally wizard. Also, I feel like Juno herself is such like an old person. Like, yeah. not like she's like a young person being old, but she's an old person writing like 
how she wished she was when she was a kid. It's like, yeah, yeah. when I was in high school, I just listened to the Stooges and Patti Smith. See, no, I... you didn't. You listened to the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> See, I kind of remember kids like that in high school that I'm like, I feel like you've lived before. <laughs> like, you're so, like, mature and you feel like you have everything under control and I feel like I'm just flailing around, like, almost vomiting from nervousness all the time. Yeah, when you're 16, but then when you turn, like, one year older than those kids, you realize that they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. They were just smoking a pipe for no reason. <laughs> like Juno, or holding it, or I don't know what she yeah, does Yeah, exactly. That. Like, yeah, I felt like they were a wizard, like Gandalf <laughs> with the pipe. Um, Pipes, yeah. they just make you look wise. <laughs> Vaping, no. Other end of the spectrum. <laughs> Thank you for smoking a pipe. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was uh, rewatchable, too. Um, no one asked you. <laughs> Blaine, what did you think? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that was totally fine. That was really funny. And uh, Dave's laughing, so you got that's good. There is no Dave. <laughs> it's only you. Oh, it's always been you. I yeah, I like this movie. I think it's a good movie. I think there's a. It does stand the test of time. Maybe not dialogue, but the story is very mature. Right. And I think the comedy really works on a lot of levels. And. I also like the awkwardness of the stars. I mean, yeah. they're not beautiful people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Jennifer Garner. I mean, like the two kids, like they both look like awkward kids. Yeah. You know? They're for sure awkward kids. They're, they're the kids that like didn't have a clique in high school. Yeah. They just and like floated around. That for me makes it seem authentic. Because so yeah, often, for sure. like, I mean, I don't know how old Ellen Page was when she made this movie, but so often, like, they're like full grown adults. Yeah. Being adults. Yeah, yeah. And like saying things like wizard. Movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I thought it was pretty authentic, and I really liked it. I think it's like a stunning debut from, from Diablo Cody. That someone, the fact that like she wrote a, a movie that well as her first script is, is awesome. And, and she's not unimpeach, unimpeachable. You know, she, she wrote this movie Paradise, which is sitting at like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I haven't seen that. What's that? What's the deal with that? Didn't she direct that too? Yeah, it's about a woman going to her church and kind of just outside of the strip in Las Vegas and going to her church and saying that she denounces God after like a near-death experience and then like kind of falling in love with people in Las Vegas. And it was not well-received. It was her first mm. directing attempt to... So she's not unimpeachable, but I think she's such a solid writer and her team-up with Jason Reitman is amazing. For sure. They always make something worth watching. And also, she doesn't have to be unimpeachable. There no. are lots of shitty writers out there who are men and write tons of shitty movies and nobody questions their professionalness. Exactly. Yeah, that's Nobody enough. talks about their shitty jobs when they were, <laughs> before they were screenwriters. Yeah, exactly. They're not defined by things. Yeah, by the things they did before yeah. that are like a little bit more colorful than like middle America is willing to – anyway, I think it's great. And the performances are just wild. And the music, I listened to that soundtrack forever. It's it was a, a huge soundtrack. soundtrack. It was the biggest selling soundtrack since Dreamgirls. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So, and also, you know, it has some great, like, has that great Velvet Underground song. I love the Moldy Peaches, so there's has that going for it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Velvet Underground. I like the Velvet Underground, too. Yeah, that's right. Okay. okay. Is that what you wanted me to say? I'll shiv you. Okay. Put it down, Rob. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, oh, wait. Also, how does Jason Bateman like Sonic Youth but not know about punk rock from the 70s? Like, they go together. And well, the music choices were all weird, and they were kind of uh, mixed around between the characters. Like Diablo Cody wrote it run one way, and then Jason Reitman wrote it another way. Yeah. So it's kind of a little confused hmm. um, because I wouldn't expect Juno to like the Moldy Peaches from the other bands that she says she loves. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a weird thing. Anyway, and oh, what's her name that plays Juno? Sorry, cut Ellen side. Page. Uh, and Ellen Page introduced the Moldy Peaches to Jason Reitman. Right. So, you know, she had she she had a big impact in this movie as well. Yeah, well, for sure. I feel like a lot of her is in this movie and in the character. Definitely. Yeah, I think it has to be as like a teen actor. You have to kind of take what you're, what you're given. Well, not her. She's great. Yeah. She was already like a big actress in Canada when this came out. She'd done well, like she... that Bruce McDonald movie, The Tracy Fragments, which wasn't very good but looked weird and freaky. Yeah. Well, and she also did uh, Hard Candy. Oh, yeah. Hard Candy with uh, Patrick Wilson. We should do Wilson. that one time. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I finished watching that. Along with Requiem for a Dream. You know, I mean, just I would, nice movies. I do want to do Requiem for oh, a Dream. Oh, God, I can't, Rob. I can't. Let's do it next week. No, no. I want to do, like, something fun. All right. That's it for Rewatchability. Thank you so much for listening. If you can't give to our Patreon, you can give to us by putting a rating in on iTunes you can or Apple Podcasts, and you can tell someone about us if you like us. You're like, hey, you want to listen to you know, a movie podcast? Well, Rewatchability's out there. Yeah, recommend us to your friend. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Shut up, Dave. And you can join us on Facebook and Twitter and... Where else can they? Oh, get a, a T shirt on T Public. Yeah, they don't come in maternity sizes, so <laughs> no. make sure that you've uh, checked your pee stick first. But I have seen a little jumper out in the wild with our logo on it. What, really? Yeah. There are hipster babies with our logo? <laughs> yeah, there are. That is so wrong. <laughs> and yet, so right. 